In Jeremiah 12:5, God challenges Jeremiah, If you have run with men and they have tired you out, how will you compete with horses? God offers you a similar challenge to live a life of biblical discipleship and to build a healthy marriage and a godly family. He never promises it will be easy, but it will always be worth it. Are you ready to run with horses? The Association of Baptists for World Evangelism, a.k.a. ABWE, has a question for you. Are you curious about missions, or have you already embraced your call for the nations? Either way, attending a 24-hour demo event with ABWE is a great way to start your journey. The 24-hour demo is designed to help you develop a biblical theology of missions as well as understand the vision and values of ABWE. You will learn all about opportunities and needs all around the world and experience God's heartbeat for redeeming all peoples. As you grow in your understanding of the roles of the Sending Church and the Mission Agency, you will see what it means to steward your time, talents, and treasures for the Great Commission. If this sounds worthwhile to you, consider this. For a $20 registration fee, you'll receive lodging for two nights, meals and snacks, and lots of information and resources to guide you on your journey into missions. What are you waiting for? Visit abwe.org forward slash demo for more info and dates for upcoming demos. That's abwe.org forward slash demo. Hello, this is Norman, and welcome to Run With Horses. Hope you're having a great week. You know, in the last two weeks, I have driven from the Midwest, from Wisconsin, to Alabama, to the Southeast, and then flown from the United States, from Birmingham to be exact, to Tokyo, and then down to southern Japan, and back, the whole trip in reverse. So, it's quite a trip. And along the way, I was thinking about... Why do we do what we do? Particularly, I guess, somewhere along the middle of that trip, I was thinking, why am I doing this? This is crazy. It's incredibly exhausting and tiring, but I got to meet a few old friends along the way and hear some awesome updates from people that I have worked with in the past in Japan. Just really exciting to see them. But in the middle of this long, exhausting trip, particularly about halfway around the world on the way back, sitting in this airplane... Um, wondering, why am I doing this? <laughs> and getting to think about the question, why do we do what we do? Why do you do what you do? You know, I don't know what your job is. I don't know how you spend each day. But there's some reason why you do what you do. And it may be a good reason. It may be a bad reason. But I was thinking about it. And I think a lot of us have in our, in our mind, in our head, we have this story that we tell ourselves. And a lot of times that story is not true. Sometimes it's true, but it's misinterpreted. Uh, sometimes it's not a story that you know, we really feel responsible for, but we feel like it's shoved upon us. We have a story that we really use to explain our life and the world around us. And I think this is everything from why we do what we do to why things happen in the world. And you may not think of it as a story. Maybe you just consider it as the larger context of, of your life. And you explain to yourself and to others who you are and what your actions mean in light of how you view this larger context. So it's how you interpret the world around you. It's a story that you tell. And there are lots of different parts that you may play in this story. You may be the victim in your story. You may be the one where everything happens to you and it's not your fault uh, and there's nothing you could have done differently. It's just 
the world forced this role upon you, you are absolutely um, at the beck and call of someone else, you are the victim. Or you may be the hero, in which case you may be, view the whole world as this adventure or battle where you are fighting against the forces of evil and you're constantly having to act and react towards some meaningful goal and you place your yourself in the role of the hero. So no matter how many times you're knocked down, you get back up because that's what the hero does. So however you view it, your story is how you give meaning to life or and interpret all of life. So this story that you tell yourself will greatly impact how you interpret the world, how you interpret trials, how you interpret blessings, how you interpret other people's reaction to you and other people's impact on your life. If you see yourself as the primary person in your story, then maybe other people are minor characters and you don't care so much about them. Or maybe you consider yourself the victim and everyone else impacts your life and you consider yourself always being downtrodden by everyone. So you're going to have many different ways that you could tell the story, but you have some story that you use to interpret your life. So you likely view life with one primary purpose and maybe one primary group of people that everything else revolves around. And this could be uh, your family. It could be that you are... Uh, always strongly family motivated, that it, your family is the reason that you go to work, that your family is the reason you get up in the morning and why you're willing to put up with the trials and tests of life and going through the struggle of getting to work and even just having this job and paying the bills and all these things. Your family gives all of that meaning. And so your family then becomes kind of the primary meaning giver for your story. Often, though, I think a lot of men really view their career as the center and the family is kind of a, a benefactor of their career. But the center is actually their career and their work, and they achieve meaning and purpose if they feel that their work is worth it, if it's engaging, if it pays the bills, uh, if it gives them uh, co-workers who develop relationships with them and they can commiserate with them, or just the fact that work takes so much of their time and energy, they don't have time for anything else. Many men primarily tell their story in relationship to work, where a lot more men, women might be prone to, to use family, particularly if they have children and they're uh, homemakers and they're raising their children and they're primarily really focused on seeing their children grow and thrive, then they're much more likely to view their story as revolved, revolving around the children. So in both cases, the story changes over time because what happens if you're in that career and then you lose your job and your primary motivation, your primary way of interpreting life was in this career, in this job? Well, then you can take a real hit. <laughs> your story can really be uh, rewritten, so to speak. Same thing as a uh, a mom or a dad who really focuses on the children and you see your children go up and leave home and they're, they're successful and then your story is still going on, but your children don't need you in the same way anymore. And that can really negatively impact how you view yourself and how you view your life, your meaning and your role in your life. So, you know, if your children are taken care of, if they're happy and productive, they're not troublemakers, you know, you have a real sense of well-being and contentment no matter what personal trials come your way, but when the children have gone on 
and they don't no longer need you in the same way, then the same trial can come, but you view it differently. Now it's not part of this struggle of raising your children and being a good example on those things. Now uh, you might view it, that same trial, in a negative way. It may impact you and harm you in a way that it wouldn't have when you had a clear sense of purpose. So, you know, there's all kinds of different stories that you might use to identify yourself and your role in the world. Some people, it's, it's not their job. It's not their family. It may be a hobby. Think of a sports fan who's just a rabid sports fan. They really seem to live for football season or for baseball season or basketball season or hockey season or wrestling, whatever the sport is. They really can center their life on that season, on that sport, and spend a lot of their time and energy really focusing on this hobby. You know, I've seen people that have, you know, a basement room that is completely dedicated to one sport. Uh, I've seen a, a wall in a, in a basement that was uh, painted like uh, an outfield wall in professional baseball, and it had the numbers on there for the, the distance to the wall and had their team's colors uh, painted up above it. And all of the, the walls were covered with sports memorabilia, and they were set up to watch their games and follow their favorite players and all those kind of things. So they were rabid sports fans, and that identified a lot of their conversation. They saved money so that they could go to away games to play, to watch particularly a good um, teams play. They really focused on having their season tickets and being able to go to as many games as possible and planning their off time, their vacation time around that sport, whatever it was. So that's an option. You can, your story can be as a, a sports fan and you're, you're really focused on someone else's activity, really, or an outdoorsman. You know, I know a lot of people who are really, they live for the outdoors it might be hunting, it might be fishing, it might be camping or hiking, any number of outdoor pursuits where this activity really is why they get up in the morning. They're excited about it. They're looking forward to it and thinking about it when they're not doing it. And you could go on and on. Uh, some people are gardeners, a runner, an artist, or a volunteer. It doesn't matter what it is. There are ways that all of these things can be engrossing and can really take all of your time, energy, and your imagination, and you have a story. And you have a role in that story as the fan or the outdoorsman or the runner. And you fill your mind with that. And you tell yourself that story. And it is in and through that story that you give your life meaning. So most of these stories, unfortunately, are not really examined very closely by us. We use them to guide our life and to motivate us to do different things. But the story's running in the background of our life, and it's, it's influencing us directly and indirectly and our interpretations of life. But we don't stop and say, is this story true? Is this story helpful? Is this a story that I should be telling myself? So far too often, we let the world around us determine what our story is and define what our story is. So the world tells us a story that defines us, tells us who we are, who we should be, what we should do, and tells us what the meaning of our life is. So some people feel like though the story that the world has given them to tell is one that their life has no meaning. A lot of people struggle for most of their life with this depression and discouragement and are, are suicidal even, where they really have uh, swallowed hook, line, and sinker, this story that their life has no value. 
Is that true? Absolutely not. But it's a story they've been told, and it's a story they believed, and it affects how they feel about themselves, how they think about themselves, and often what they do. The world is telling them a story, and they have listened. It's a big problem with that story. It's based on a lie told by the Prince of Liars. And there are all kinds of stories that he can tell you that are lies, and they're meant to distract you, to keep you down, and to keep you from hearing God's story. Satan wants you to hear the story that he has to tell about you. He doesn't want you to hear the message of God's love and redemption. He doesn't want you to know that God's story is still unfolding and that you're a big part of it. The story that he tells is that this is a godless world. By and large, most things are meaningless. You have to define your own meaning. You can define yourself as you want to. You're free to do that. Uh, You have to Learn how to make sense out of things, even if it's only vaguely and have no real confidence. uh, You should boldly do whatever you want. That's really a big part of the story of the world today. Now, depending on what time period and what location in the world you lived in, there may be huge variations on that. It could be that your local group is really seen as the all-encompassing driving force for life and meaning and purpose. So your life is given value by your contribution to the society. So there's lots of different variations on the story, but they're all basically the same is that it's godless. And there's not a lot of meaning that you can derive, that you can really understand. Um, It definitely keeps you from understanding who God is and what he's doing. But these stories are powerful. They may not be true, but they're really powerful. And what they are They are traps. They are traps that Satan has set that keep you from reaching out to God. They're traps that keep you from reaching out to know him, to investigate what he has to say, to understand who he says that you are. They're meant to blind you to the reality of God's work in the world, in your life. And these stories that Satan tells, they're anchored firmly in the world around you. Uh, They're concrete he gives you real things to, to touch and to feel and people to, to work with you. And he means, he means to blind you and keep you from seeing God at work. He wants you to see life as a theater. And he's putting, putting on this massive stage play and trying to control all the players and keep God distant and hidden. And what God wants to do is pull back the curtain and allow you to see him at work and his eternal plan that is ongoing, that is purposeful, that is meaningful, and it really is only in that plan that your life has deep eternal significance, meaning. So, so many people are struggling with the meaning of their life, why they're here, what their purpose is, and they're they're failing to find significance, to find meaning, so they are uh, depressed, discouraged, discouraged. beat down on a regular basis. And if you want to help that person who maybe is struggling with addiction, who is struggling with what the world might call self-esteem or ego issues, if you want to see life change in a person, you really have to help them change their story. They're telling themselves a story. They believe a story. It's not true, but they believe it. And that story has trapped them. That story has kept them from reaching their potential in Christ from understanding the power that He offers through the work of the Holy Spirit, from understanding that He offers to make us a new creation. So it's true, some of the things that the world story tells us 
are based in reality. If you think about yourself and say, you know, I, I, I just continually make mistakes. I, I'm a sinner. I'm not any good. And there's a, a certain truth to that in that each one of us, there's no one who is perfect. There is no one who is righteous without Christ. There's none righteous, no, not one, the Bible tells us. That's true. But if you stop there, then you don't get the rest of the story. And the rest of the story is that in Christ, you are declared righteous. You are made righteous through faith in Christ. Uh, the Bible tells us that Abraham believed God and his faith was counted to him as righteousness. So when we believe God, when we trust him, he changes our story. And your story was that you were a, a sinner separated from God. But in Christ, your story is very, very different. Your identity is different. You are now a joint heir with Christ. You are now part of the family of God. You are no longer alone. You were alone. You were eternally separated with no real way to connect with anyone in the world or out of the world. That's part of the reality of sin. It separates people. But the Spirit unites people. The Holy Spirit unites us into the body of Christ. It unites us with God himself. We are never alone once we understand and see what God is doing, what God has done in the finished work of Christ on the cross. So if you want to see someone's life change, help them understand the reality of God's work and God's new story, that new creation, that new person who has a new future. It's true without Christ, you don't have much of a future. But with Christ, you have a future. You have a future that is eternally secure, that is uh, fabulous, that is promised to be uh, one of joy, of peace, of meaning, of genuine significance. And I think that's in this life and the life to come. So in Christ, your life here today has meaning. Without Christ, not so much. So many of us, we're, we're so deeply entrenched in a story that is only partially based in reality. Even as Christians, we tend to still listen to the story of the world. And, you know, we still have the flesh and the fleshly desires. So we're, we're tainted by sin and we're in our, in our sin nature. It is opposed to God. And we don't want him naturally. So we're led by the sin nature to interpret life with a throne in the center that we sit on that I am the king of all I survey, that I am the one who should seek to please myself because if I don't do it, no one else is going to do it for me. Life revolves around us and the world owes us. Well, as a sinner, as a sinner saved by grace, I still have this constant clash of this dream, this false reality of me on the throne with the real reality that you know, the world carries nothing for me. Uh, that's going to lead me to depression and fear and internal crisis of all kinds. And it's going to keep me stuck in situations with no way out because I can't see any way out. I can't do it on my own. And but I feel like I should because I'm on the throne. Well, I need a better story. And the story is God's story. The story where that throne is meant for Christ for God alone. Jesus is on the throne and all of life is seen for what it is. It is a battleground. My life is a battleground. And men's souls are at stake. 
God has reached out and saved me for a purpose to draw me into his mission to reach out with his love to the world, to other people around me. God is drawing me to himself. God is drawing you to himself and preparing you for eternity with him. And the cool thing is he uses his mission of reaching the world as a vehicle for your life change. I think that's incredibly cool. God doesn't need you to share the gospel, but he invites you to be part of his mission of reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ for your sake. That is a vehicle for life change. He gives you a better story to tell. He gives you a story where your life has meaning and significance, where you can do something of real value. And if you've ever had the opportunity to sit down and share Christ with someone and seen them uh, go from death to life, to have faith in Jesus and see their life change, and you've seen that life over a period of days, months, weeks, years, change and become different, to find joy in a place where there was hopelessness, to see a home that is is broken and just is filled with, with anger and bitterness and a husband and wife that are fighting and, and attacking each other and go to a family where Christ is in the center and love reigns and peace reigns. And this family suddenly has a meaning and purpose that is much deeper than, uh, are we happy? Do we have enough money? Uh, are we doing okay? You're not fulfilling all my needs. Those conversations die away as they begin to look at each other and say, you know, God placed you in my life so that I could be God's hands and feet in your life and be an expression of God's love to you, to lift you up, to help you, to grow in Christ's likeness, to help you take steps toward him. And as the husband and wife look at each other that way and begin to act that way, they realize that his mission of growing his church, his mission of changing us, of equipping us for this mission uh, is all-encompassing. It is uh, so engrossing and so valuable and so meaningful that as we do that, we are encouraged to continue to do it, and we see that that's a vehicle for heart change in ourself, in my life. I have a meaning and a purpose that I didn't have before. I recognize that my life matters in a way that I didn't see before. And I have a family of believers a church that is with me. I'm not on this journey alone. And that's one of the big things that so many in the people, so many people in the world are struggling with. I feel like I'm in this alone. I'm all by myself. I'm struggling. I have trials. I have struggles and nobody cares. Well, the wonderful thing about the church, when it works as it should, is that you clearly understand you're not in this alone. You have help. You have people who pray for you. You have people who use their gifts to encourage you, to motivate you to make changes, to walk beside you, to hold you accountable for the changes that you recognize that you need to make, uh, to, to be present in the midst of your struggle. Not only do you have the church, you have the head of the church, uh, you have Christ leading and guiding, you have the Holy Spirit constantly working in you. Uh, you're not in it alone. And I think when, when we're really engaged in the church, when we're using our gifts to serve others, our personal struggles their priority goes down in our life. They're still there. If you have financial problems, they don't go away when you get saved. If you have health problems, God does do miracles. Sometimes he does heal those. But a lot of times he leaves those in your life to be a thorn, to keep you, uh, to keep you humble, to keep you looking to him, to recognize that God uses even those things to grow us in our patience and our endurance and our ability to see uh, him in the midst of that struggle. God uses those things. So I'm not alone. Even with 
everything in the world seeming like it's against me, I'm not by myself. I'm part of a family that has a, pers- uh, that has a purpose and a mission that cannot fail. That's incredible. I have a life of meaning and value that my life didn't have before. And because I recognize that, my decisions have a significance that they didn't have before. You know, if you walk through life and you really believe that the world is godless and your, your life really has no significance, there's really not a reason to choose A or B. It's hard to justify every decision that you make, any decision that you make. Why would you do this versus that? Who cares? It's not important. Now, if this life is all that there is, do what you want and seek out happiness because you're not likely to find it. And every little happiness that you have, you want to savor it because it's not going to last long. And that's all there is. And if you really believe that this world is godless and there's no meaning, what else is there? But if you understand that God has placed your story in the middle of his story, that he has a plan that started in eternity past and carries on throughout time itself, and he has invited you to be part of it. Suddenly, my life is placed in the context of a mission, a purpose, something of value. And I want to be part of that. I want to, uh, to reach out and uh, to, to love God, to, to seek to know him more. I really want to be uh, all that I can be. I really want to uh, be part of this mission. So you walk through life with a story that has meaning. God's purpose is to draw you into his story. God's purpose is to change you and, and help you see that your choices have value. Your conversations have value. Your relationships have meaning and purpose. He's given you them for a reason. So give them back to him. Seek to glorify Him with all that you have, with all you do. Continually read His Word. Embrace all that He has to say about you and to you so that you can uh, enjoy and joyfully follow along in His story. Whatever happens, keep running. I'm Alex Copeland. And I'm Scott Dunford. And we host the Missions Podcast. Every Sunday night, tackling your hard questions about missions, theology, and practice, whether you're a goer or a sender. There are about 78,000 evangelical Christians for every one unreached people group. But according to a 2018 survey, about half of those self-professed evangelicals believe that God accepts all religions. So we're convinced that bad theology hurts missions and bad missions hurts theology. That's why we want to help goers think and thinkers go. Each week, we deal with the biggest topics in theology and culture and talk to experts like Michael Horton, Zane Pratt, Vern Poitras, Conrad Mbewe, Tom Schreiner, and more, as well as real people that you haven't heard of in dangerous places doing hard things for Jesus. We share their stories. You can find the Missions Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Subscribe now. Go to missionpodcast.com to learn more, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us today. If you have a question we can address on the show or just want to send us a word of encouragement, send an email to talk at runwithhorses.net. That's T-A-L-K at runwithhorses.net. We look forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, keep running.